On this episode of Trading Camp, we interview D-Book Trading. He discusses why volume price analysis is really all you need and walks us through his process from preparing before the market opens to what he looks for before pulling the trigger on a trade intraday. This episode is brought to you by Kane Capital, a trading community over 25,000 strong featuring live trading alerts and educational content. Link in the notes to join for free today. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheel and dealing, limousine right, jet Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 45 of TCP Trading Camp Pod. We've got a guest with us that we've been hunting down for months now, probably for the majority of this year. D-Book is with us on the podcast. Finally, before we bring him in, know what's going on, man. Alejandro, what's going on? Um, excited to get to interview D-Book today. Like you said, um, it's been a long time coming. It was getting borderline offensive at this point, you know, that he that he wouldn't come on with us. But we finally got him on the pod, um, and I'm excited to break it down with him today. It's going to be a great interview. Yeah, it was uh, a period of time there, or a bit of a stretch. It was like, are we, are we friends with him? Does he not like us? Does he like us? But now it's confirmed, I guess, that D-Book is boys with the TCP guys. Welcome to the show, D-Book. What's going on, bro? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. I know I totally agree. I think maybe you should be a little bit offended. I feel like it's been like three months now you've been uh, trying to get me on here, but uh, I do <laughs> I do respect your persistence. Of course, of course. And the reason we've been so persistent is not because we're so interested in doing the interview. It's more so because we see how you've been able to grow such a strong following and we see how good of a trader you are. And we see what you have been giving back to the FinTwit community. So this for us is really an opportunity to get to know you better and to hear about your story. And I know that there are a lot of people who are wondering some of the same things. So if you don't mind by starting out telling us how you began trading, what got you into the markets to begin with? Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like a a choppy longer story. But um, I mean, it goes all the way back to like 20, I believe it was 2016. So I'm 20, 24 years old now. And so this was um, when I was like 16 or 17. I might have been, I think this was 2015. And uh, I was just interested in the market and uh, like sitting in like a high school classes, just uh, kind of always looking around and um, like checking like crude oil prices. For some reason, I was interested in like commodities for like the, the, the start of my Kind of trading journey, but um, was always just kind of interested from like really early on, like 14, 15 years old. And I was always, always looking at um, kind of finance oriented things. And um, from there, like I like was paper trading. I, I started paper trading in like 2015 at, at a young age and then um, kind of just grew from there. And then eventually I uh, actually like convinced my dad's boss to, to give me a loan for, I think it was $2,000. And he, he was going to give me the, the 2K and I was going to trade it for him. And we were going to like profit split 50-50 because I had like 
convinced him that I was like this this young prodigy that that was gonna you know 10x this money and and this was like 2015 2016 and um that I mean that account was quickly minus 90 percent uh, obviously because I, I didn't know what I was doing I was just really um there was no options I wasn't trading options at all it was just common so that's kind of uh, I guess where where it started um and I was even trading like Bitcoin miners I was it was like 2015 when Bitcoin was like less than 5,000 for sure. I don't even know how, how cheap it was, but I was like interested in like these Bitcoin mining stocks in like 2015, blah, blah, blah. The, a lot of uh, like Tom's trading in the beginning and stuff like that from a young age. But um, eventually, and you know, I took a, took a, a break kind of um, wasn't like day-to-day trader or anything through like my early college years or anything. And then started learning options like, like uh, about the, you know, Delta, Gamma, Theta, just kind of the important things and, and how an option moves and kind of, you know, expirations and strike prices and all of that. And I started to like, you know, it definitely opened up a new world for me because obviously like, I mean, you can, you can deposit 500 bucks in, into Weeble and, and trade options or a thousand bucks and trade options. Just like the, the barrier of entry was so much lower, I felt like. And so it kind of really opened my eyes to um, growing a smaller amount of money because I didn't really didn't know that much. So it didn't matter it, that I had 10, 20K in a portfolio. It was just uh, ki- kind of that start of, of learning options. And um, I kind of uh, took off from there. And uh, it was kind of like 2019 came along. And this was kind of when I was really learning options, like late 2019 into early 2020. And so it all kind of lined up perfectly. Like it was, it was January 2020. I was starting to see like all of these COVID headlines come in all of this um because it was like a really like hysterical like time we like trump was in office uh covid and then all of that stuff and so started to see those headlines coming and i'm like i know how to trade put options and this chinese virus is about to come into the states and i know how to trade put options so that's kind of where my options career started was kind of shorting like i, I started trading puts before calls and that's that's kind of feel like kind of backwards for a lot of people but um kind of my intro to options was actually shorting the market on the way down at the very beginning, early 2020, January, February, March. So I kind of had like a, a unique start, I guess, uh, on the downside. That's similar to K1 story. He told us the same exact thing. That's when he got into options. He started shorting on the way down or playing puts on the way down. That's really interesting. My first question, I think it's just funny, more funny than uh, than anything else. How do you lose 90% of your account trading commons? <laughs> like, what? That's when like you really don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, it was like, and it was so many, I think it was like 500 plus trades. It was just like, you know, right <laughs> yeah. when you start, like you enter something, it's down 1.5%. You're like, oh man, right, I right. mean, we got to cut this. Right. Like we're buried. Right. <laughs> and so um, it was just a lot. It was like a, a death by a thousand paper cuts. And it was like, I don't know. I feel like for some reason I was focused on like trading like oil small caps in the beginning. I had no idea what I was doing, but I feel like that kind of like seeded my interest in trading and, and kind of the market. So yeah, definitely. Did you have any big winners around that same time that it got you hooked? I would imagine there were at, at least a few, uh, you know, sort of snuck in there that, that kept you going, that kept you interested in the markets. Oh, dude, the very first trade was it was uh, the ticker was MGT, and this was like 2015. And it was like. Do you guys, uh, have you heard of John McAfee? Like, I think he recently, recently passed away, but he's like a comp- antivirus guy. Yeah. He started a Bitcoin mining company and it was like two bucks a share or something. And I, and I like full ported that. It was kind of like I, exactly what you see today, just like a small cap stock with a pumpy CEO and stuff. And so made like 20% on the first trade. So like the, the, the port was at like 2,400. 
and this was like me sitting in like my cafeteria. I'm like, oh man, like, like this is like, I got this. And then, um, it was kind of, uh, like, like I said, death by a thousand paper cuts from there. But I think, um, and you said K1 had mentioned that, uh, he started with kind of trading downside. And I feel like nobody, or I guess a few people, but not many people on Fentwit like know this, but we actually went to high school together and like grew up together. Like I've known K1 since I was like 11 years old and we kind of started trading together. So I feel like our story and like our path is extremely similar because we're from like the same hometown of 10,000 people. And um, really like he he's taught me a lot of what I know because he's got just got so much attention to detail with like um, price action and different time frames and that stuff. So that, that's something that I feel like people would think is uh, funny to know that uh, D-Book and K1 have known each other since they were like 10 years old. But Dude, I didn't know that. You know, the TCP fans are definitely familiar with K1. Guy's been on the pod a couple of times and he's a great he's a great dude and a great interview. I feel like we always have a great time whenever he comes on. But you mentioned you were, you were sitting in the cafeteria and you said, oh, I got this. And I feel like that's like the famous last words of like every beginning trader. It's like, oh, I got this, right? Like once you get that first gain, like Alejandro was talking about, like that first like big win. And you're like, you you start doing the math in your head really quickly. And it's like, all right, well, I made like 20% on that one. So if I just do that like 50 more times, I'll have a couple million dollars at which point I can do whatever I want. And it's like, that's, that's when usually shit hits the fan as, as the newer trader. I feel like nothing can really prepare you besides like that screen time and that experience for kind of that, that moment where it's time to manage that position and like, and I, I guess kind of the heat of the moment, like uh, if, if something's knifing really hard or like straight vertical, um, nothing can really prepare you besides like years of experience to, to properly really manage those scenarios. And that's why um, I feel like when I was newer, a newer trader, I kind of thought the the like saying like trading's 80 or 90 percent mental or whatever they say. I always kind of like thought that was like stupid and like was super focused on studying and learning different concepts. Um, but I feel like there just becomes like a point. I feel like maybe you guys like understand this too. Like there becomes a point where like, there's no more like TA strategies and there's not really anything like more for you to like really learn to become it. Like the trader you want to be besides like, you know, that experience and just, um, kind of becoming like a mentally stronger trader. But, um, I feel like that's, that's something a lot of people can, can relate to is when, uh, you know how to read a chart just as good as literally anybody, but um, aren't making money. So I feel like that's a, like a, a super hard barrier to break through. Definitely. I, I feel as though my progression through my trading career, the way I look at it, it's almost as though I'm becoming less of an idiot. It's not like I'm learning more. It's like, okay, I'm learning how to manage my risk better. I'm, you know, I'm keeping tighter stops. I'm not going in way too heavy. I'm not taking trades that I know I shouldn't be taking. And obviously, you know, those still happen. And unfortunately, it's part of the game. But I completely agree with you. It's not so much about how well can you read a chart realistically. And I can't wait to talk about it um, because I know it's like your main thing. All you really need to understand is volume and price. And those two things alone can help you to trade successfully. But at the end of the day, it's can you win the mental battle day in and day out? Are you mentally strong enough to sit on your hands when you know you should be sitting on your hands? Are you disciplined enough to not go too heavy into any given trade? Those types of things are what keep you alive. And once you realize that, oh, 
I started focusing on my mental game and then I started making more money as opposed to I found this like secret um, indicator or secret strategy and then things just started clicking. It's not so much that at all, in my opinion. I'm definitely like a huge proponent and I've tweeted this many times in the kind of the beginning stages of your of your trading journey, really taking that time to you know, read at least a book or two, volume price analysis by Anna Colling. I've tweeted this a gazillion times as well. Um, was a huge book for me. Um, I know like a ton of people recommend Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. That one's actually uh, like collecting dust on my desk right now. I, I was supposed to read that like six months ago, but um, we'll get to that one. But but I uh, I'm a huge proponent of like actually taking the time to read a few books and really understand the concepts like through and through before. Um, Working on, you know, the, the actual like trade management, managing your emotions, really the whole mental side of trading. Um, I think that definitely comes second because you have to like really understand what's happening and, um, you know, which, which trade, you know, that you're looking to take has the best probability from that like volume and price standpoint. So, um, huge proponent of studying early on. But I think, like I said, there just becomes really a point where you've, learned everything you really need to learn and you're equipped to be a, like a profitable trader. And it comes down to just that screen time experience and uh, managing that mental side. So, I mean, I, like I said, I think I thought it was silly and, and stupid in kind of the early stages when, when people said trading's 80, 90% mental, 10%, 20% knowledge and, and stuff like that. But uh, I do, I do truly believe that. I think that's a good transition into your specific trading style, right? And so you're somebody who utilizes volume and price. And I know that you're a big proponent of this, as Alejandro mentioned before. Um, dive into your trading strategy for us. And, and how is it that you're using volume and price primarily to remain profitable in the market? Yeah, for sure. I think I would probably label myself as more of like an intraday swing trader, if if that's a thing. Like Because there's a lot of times during the day where I'll sit in a position for three, four, five hours, like the, the entire day, really not looking to swing overnight. It, it started as a day trade, just hadn't like broken down yet, hadn't hit in the stop loss, um, was was still like a pretty valid setup. So there's um, a lot of times where I'm in trades for three, three, four hours, just because of uh, just because of that, like just just developing that patience and understanding this is still, you know, I'm down 12%, but this is still a, a setup that hasn't been invalidated. It's, it's still a good setup. So um that's what I guess I would I would call myself like an intraday swing trader. But um, in terms of like uh, like my, my strategies I'm using or my my technical analysis concepts, I think for me like there's a million different things. I know you guys are huge on um, like utilizing EMAs, kind of trend based trading, and I would say I'm pretty similar. And I think like the reality is like all all indicators, if used properly, are going to point back to the same conclusion. Like we're all getting to the same conclusion. Um, just in a gazillion different ways. So for me, I just like figured to get to that conclusion, I'll just use the most basic possible thing. And that's just for me, like volume, like the relationship between volume and price is really like the best way to, uh, to explain it. I think volume does precede a lot of price action. You can kind of understand through, uh, learning this and kind of understanding this, um, just where, where big money is and where it looks like they want to take it because like any setup can fail. But I feel like through analyzing that relationship between volume and price that I can have like the best pro- probability for myself. So that's kind of like the simple way to look at it. I guess it's uh, just really a lot of like effort versus result type of deal. Um, I think it's it's literally like the most volume price analysis is 
the most simple thing on planet earth. Like it's, it's a lot easier to explain to people than any of a lot of these like indicators and stuff. And so for me, I just like to, to keep it super simple. And I also use the, um, the volume profile where we, you, you guys want to talk some volume profile. I mean that <laughs> we have to, right. You know, what's funny. I never really started using volume profile until I saw you in K1 using it religiously. And it's not even like some groundbreaking concept. It's like the most simple thing and just throwing it on any daily chart you take a look at, it can just give you um, greater conviction, right? It can help add conviction. If you want to go ahead and dive into it uh, for those that don't know exactly what that is. Yeah, no, it's I, I put it the exact same way. It's literally... There is nothing it's showing you that is like groundbreaking information that is going to be like a, a complete game changer for the trade, because really you can see like every everything the, the volume profile is telling me. And this is the the indicator that I have on the um, right side of my chart. It, it shows volume by price level rather than by um, time frame, because like, uh, I mean, you look at a daily chart, obviously the, the bars at the bottom, each volume bar is for each day. Or if you're on an hourly chart, each volume bar is for that hour. That's that's volume by time frame that everybody uses on the bottom of their charts. But um, the volume profile is really showing me volume by price level and really um, what levels big money's most interested in trading the name at. And so um, it kind of, I, I mean, in the simplest terms is supply and demand. And I don't think it's like you said, showing any groundbreaking information. It can all be shown in price. It's all shown in the price action, but it's just almost like a little cheat sheet for me. It's like, for me, it feels like an indicator that like everybody should, should have on their charts, even if you're not using it per se. Um, just having, just having that on the right side of your chart, it's basically drawing like support, support and resistance or supply and demand, whichever way you want to put it for you and showing you those zones. Um, the price can just move super easily through. And that's like, uh, it's, it's just a super simple indicator. And that's really the only indicator I would say I use if you even, even really want to call it that is, is the volume profile. Yeah. I think if you take a look at it and for those of you listening that have never played around with the volume profile, it is so s- simple. All you're looking at are the volume nodes on the right side of the chart. And the way I think about it is literally one large volume node will be point A the next largest volume node is point B. When there's a large gap between those two volume nodes, price tends to move pretty fluid through those areas. And that's literally it. Let's say you have uh, you know, a large volume node sitting at 15 bucks, right? And the next largest volume node is below at 10 bucks. And there's a gap in volume on the profile from 15 to 10. If you lose that $15 mark, it's almost like it's falling off of a cliff. And in your mind, you could say, okay, Point A to point B, where is it likely headed? There's a volume gap down to 10. Hmm, that might provide a good trade down to 10 bucks. So it really just gives you a better idea of where price is moving or where price is likely to move and why it's happening. So if you see you know, some pretty violent moves on the daily chart, if you look back at some of the moves that we saw towards the end of last week, beginning of this week, a lot of names flushed hard. I guarantee you, you go and you take a look at the volume profile and it's like, oh, there was a volume gap there. That's why it moves so fluidly um, from you know point A to point B. So I absolutely love it. I, I'm throwing it on all my daily charts now. And I remember you tweeting at me once. You were like, Dwayne, where's the volume profile? And I'm like, ah, let me, let me take a look at it. But yeah, it's good. Really good stuff there. I think that everybody should use it. There's, you know, it definitely doesn't hurt. It's not something that could possibly overcomplicate your training in my opinion yeah no i think you put it the perfect way it's like 
especially in this market, like the uh, all of this year, all of last year, we've just been seeing these super crazy moves. And I've tweeted this a few times too. It's like, I feel like a lot of people are really surprised or like are, you know, sitting at their computer saying like, wow, like, ho- holy shit. Like how did, how did this make this move? This is insane. And I tweeted like all of these moves, like there, there's rarely a move that, that doesn't make sense to me when you really look at um, the, the volume profile and understand where kind of these liquidity levels are. And, and again, like this can all be found in price. Like you can see, you know, on an extended setup, if it, you know, like you said, breaks that 15 level, like it's probably going to see some pretty major downside. Like you can see that in the price, but why not have that volume profile on there just to really like, and, that, and I think it works. I think more than anything, like the, the, the profile intraday, like when I'm, when I'm looking around at daily setups or looking around at hourly charts and all of that stuff, like the ability to like type in Tesla one hour and see literally within the first like two seconds where supply and demand is, where, where this chart is like most probable to, to move and, and where it really has the most room. Being able to see that like intraday within like the first five seconds of clicking on that chart has been huge for me. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I just think the volume profile was huge for me in the beginning. And I, and I know I might get annoying on Twitter with, with all the volume profile tweets, but again, I just really don't see why anybody would not, not have it on their charts. Even if it's like tiny on, on the far right side, it's just, it's just like, you know, supply and demand cheat sheet. So it's, it's definitely my, uh, my favorite indicator. I saw one of your tweets um, the other day that I really liked. It said, if you're if you consistently trade A plus setups with good accumulation patterns, you stumble into news often. It's all front loaded by these guys. Chart more often knows first. And so that's one of the benefits of using a strategy like that is that, like you said, you can get those, you know, occasional times. Like when you take your trade, you're looking for, like you said, you know, whether it's um, off of VPA support coming up to VPA uh, resistance, VPA demand up to VPA supply. And that's how you're taking your trade and you take your profits. And then all of a sudden you get news. It's like, you know, a lot of the times when you're getting into these good setups based on good volume, you can catch that lucky break every now and again. Right. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know if you guys like relate to this, but like, I feel like once you've reached like a certain level of experience and you've watched enough price action, like you can just kind of tell when something's like moving, moving weird or like the, the price action's really generous or it just like looks like it's being like manipulated in some way. And like, I feel like cause, cause PDD, um, yesterday morning, and, and, and the China names were hot off open and PDD printed this huge like stick right off of open and then like consolidated in this super tiny range. It was like 20 cents, like maybe like 10 cents. And it just like the way, the way it printed this huge flagpole and then consolidated in like this super tight range. And this is while spy was like just dumping. And so I, I see that and I'm like, I, I feel like there's something here. Like, like why why is this move holding so well on PDD when like spy a lot of the mega cap tech names are just diving and so I took that entry just because it just seemed seemed odd to me that it was holding so well and I, I liked the relative strength and so I took that entry and then you know lo and behold 15 20 30 minutes later that they had news and it went insane it was like a 150 percent play within minutes and um, then I get to act like a, a fucking genius for. <laughs> Then you get to post a Weeble card. Exactly. It's like you get to look like a genius for getting a little bit lucky. But um, I just feel like uh, that's kind of one of those things that comes with, you know, three plus years of experience and watching price action all day, every day is you can kind of like uh, 
just see kind of some of those names that have that relative strength. Like it just seems like something's brewing, I guess. And and I this actually has come back on me a little bit. Uh, a guy in our Discord said like sometimes you play the news, sometimes the news plays you. Every setup I've taken for the last like week has been like or you know, the last two days has been hit with news. Like today I had Go EV, just weird volume structure, and it just seemed like something was up. It was super relatively strong, and so I was in that overnight in the morning. And um and then they had like it wasn't even news. It was like fake news. It was like something that had already been out. It was just hype and uh, it dumped super hard. And then Baba got put on some like weird HFCAA list yesterday. And so I guess that's the reality of uh, kind of playing those tickers you think where something's brewing. Sometimes the news is going to play you, but but uh, those have been great plays for me. So All right. So in listening to you describe your trading, I'm kind of getting the sense that you're making a lot of decisions intraday, but I want to start by asking you about your process the night before or leading up until the market opens. So we're going to do it like this. If I'm somebody who wants to trade like D-Book, what does my night look like and then morning look like before the market even opens? The best way for me to uh, really find the strongest sectors and the strongest setups in the market is, um, I mean, the, the, the simplest thing is that I have have a watch list with all of the sector ETFs, XLE, XLF, XLV, XLP, XLY, just all, all of the different sectors. Um, and each night I really see, you know, what, what sector looks the strongest. Um, I think um, like XLP has a decent look today that definitely printed a, a far stronger candle than say SPY or QQQ. Um, and so I, I might be interested in some of those XLP names. And so from here I would, I guess I already know these names and I already have this watch list uh, solidified. But if I was I was trying to get started with this, I would see that XLP had a relatively stronger daily candle than a lot of the broader market in tech, and then Google you know XLP holdings and kind of familiarize yourself and grow that mental bank of tickers through looking through all of these sector ETFs, looking through all of their like you know top ten, top twenty holdings because those are going to be the important names, and those are probably going to be the liquid names too, is those those heavily weighted ETF names. So. That's uh that's a lot of my nightly processes is looking at which which sector ETF was leading XLE which is oil um you know XOM Oxy those names are going crazy so that's definitely got a, a crazy candle and then um not so much XLV anymore I thought XLV was going to be kind of a leader here XLF looks weak so that's kind of just what I do every night seeing which really looking at the entire market and it's not that hard because really you can just make this watch list and see at a quick glance of an eye, which like what parts of the market were leading and um, just kind of find that strength from there because I, I haven't been that eager to short. I feel like, um, I don't know, I just spent so much time shorting. I, I, I Like I said, I started trading on the short side, spent like the majority of like the first six months of this year, five months of this year shorting. And I don't know, it just, it just feels odd to me right now. So kind of my strategy is finding each night that strength which, which sectors we're leading and um, kind of making a watch list from there. But I, I do keep my watch list small. It's, it's usually, and I tweeted it out, it's usually four, maybe five, sometimes only three names. And so um, I don't know. I, I, that's kind of my strategy is to keep that small watch list. And um, if those three tickers that I'm focused on don't work, that day and it's just not a good watch list. Well, then maybe I should just make a better watch list that night, the next night. Like, like, like that's not, that's not the market's fault. Like just make a better watch list. So that's kind of my, my strategy. You go through, you look at sectors that are showing relative strength. 
you pick names within those sectors, where do you go from there? Are you drawing key levels on your chart? Are you looking at the daily, hourly, five minute? What is it that helps you determine when it comes time to enter the trade on the five minute the next morning? Okay, this is the spot where I should be adding. I feel like I've recently, I guess, kind of in like the last like six months to a year become a, a little bit like more of a biased trader. I look at the daily time frame and um, just, just kind of analyze that and draw my conclusions from there. So like if a name has an awesome, great, like daily setup. Like the volume patterns are perfect. It's got just really good accumulation patterns. It's a, it's a like a almost almost uh, an A plus daily setup. So then you know int- intraday, I'm gonna have a little bit like a bullish bias towards that name, even if kind of like the the smaller time frame action, like the five minute action, three minute action. I'm a, I'm a three minute trader off open, but um, even if that smaller time frame action isn't like the strongest thing in the world. I know like in the back of my head, like this daily chart is almost perfect. And so I, I almost have like a little bit of a bias um, in, inside of that short term action. But um, I guess it's kind of uh, intraday. I use the nine and the 20 EMAs. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people use those. And, and I wouldn't even use the term like use. I, I just kind of use them for overall trend guidance. It's kind of another thing I think just really can never hurt you having on your chart. Those are the kind of the two things. I think everyone should have turned on is the the nine and twenty EMAs and then that volume profile. But um, for marking my key levels, it's always like highs and lows for me, like weekly highs and lows, daily highs and lows, or, or sometimes even all the way up to monthly highs and lows. And if I talk to like K one for a little bit too long, sometimes it's like quarterly highs and lows. <laughs> but but like those are those are huge for me. Like like it almost seems like the wicks. On, on a lot of like weekly or daily charts are more important to me than like the candle bodies. Um, that's just something that's always worked for me is, is really running like by default. And even if I don't have levels on a setup, like if it's, you know, in, intraday, something's running or, or there's a trade that I want to take and I don't have levels like freshly drawn on that daily or weekly chart, like I can pop over there real quick, you know, mark those like local, like recent highs and lows and go from there. So that's been big for me, but, um, I guess not to ramble too much, but I feel like today, today is a decent example. If you guys look at the, um, the spy four hour, and I got a lot of, lot of heat for this. Uh, everyone was laughing. And today is August 23rd, yes. uh, 2022 for those. I'm not sure when you guys are listening. Continue. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. Uh, the spy four hour today on Tuesday, the 23rd was, uh, and I got a lot of heat for this. My, my friends thought I was joking. I, I kept texting like, Hey, watch this four hour candle change because it happens at 1230 central, right? 130 Eastern is, is four hours into the market. So that four hour candle change happens. And, and we, and, uh, happen to have like this, uh, if you turn off extended hours, you can see on like the spy four hour, we, this was really like the first candle that looked like a, like a, a decently like, you know, possible reversal candle on spy. And so I, like for me paying attention to all the time frames, even, even up to the monthly, like I said, just always clicking around. Like I feel like people get super zoned in on like the five minute or the three minute or like even the one minute. And the, I mean, I don't I don't use much of the one minute, but I feel like people get so locked in on one time frame and um, really looking around at all of them is super helpful because I it was it was like twelve twenty that the four hour candle was going to change at twelve thirty, and I said like 
this this four hour candle they're they're trying to like print here on spy looks pretty good. Or it, I mean, it doesn't look perfect, but it looks like a potential possible reversal candle. And so I said, watch this candle change at twelve thirty. I think we're probably going to get some good direction. And I got a lot of heat for that. Everyone thought everyone thought I was joking. Like, what do you mean, watch the four hour candle change? But uh, like, if you look right at like one thirty Eastern, um, let me let me try to find this. Yeah, I mean, if you look on the minute one thirty Eastern, like heavy volume, super like increased volume tried to break out and there was a super strong move. And I was in calls prior to that just because I kind of uh, liked the look of that four hour candle. And I figured once that, once that uh, candle closes and, and the next one opens, there could be some, some nice buying volume just based off the look of that candle. And like, that was literally the thought process. Like that, that was all it was for me was uh, that four hour candle they were about to close was, was looking good. And uh, I, I think, and I've tweeted about this many times, like people don't really pay attention enough to where we are in the day. Um, like even the 10, 15 minute handle changes, half hour to an hour. Um, there's a lot of like trend, trend changes and increases in volume at those candle changes. And I, I think it'd be helpful for, for everybody to really pay attention to when those, you know, 15, 30, one hour, four hour candles are changing and, uh, to take a peek at that at that uh, time frame before it changes just to kind of get a gauge. So that's been something that's been super helpful for me. I remember we had, um, we had K one come and trade in Kane once, like for like a lot of Friday or something. And he was, he was talking about this setup that he really liked. He was like, Oh, I think it might've been like Baba to the downside or something. He was like, Oh, like I really like Baba, like X, Y, Z. It looks really good. Um, but I'm not going to take it here because the, the two hour candle is about to close. He, one time he had me on the 27 minute candle wave. He, he said, <laughs> you got to watch these 27 minute candle. Cha- <laughs> and so he does, like, sometimes he takes it a little far, but like he's, he's super smart and like just paying attention to, uh, to kind of those, those little things really is important. But dude, that's literally the last thing I need. I can't imagine if you, if tomorrow in the discord, I'd be like, Noah, man. Wait for this four-hour candle change. He's like, dude, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone told me today. And then, and then, like increased yeah. volume to the minute, like great move. And so it's 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 super interesting to like pay attention to those things. It, it really is. No, it's definitely something that um, I'm personally gonna experiment with. So earlier you were saying, all right, sometimes intraday you'll throw on uh, the volume profile. You'll take a look at the hourly chart. So when you're actually going to enter a trade. So the daily looks really nice, right? And you've developed a bias based on what the daily is telling you. Once uh, 9.30 comes around and you have a name that you're watching and you really love that ticker and you're looking to play it to the long side, at what point are you one of those guys that's like, okay, I'm not going to trade in the first 15 minutes of the day? Are there certain times during the day where you find you've had more success or there's certain setups intraday that you find have given you more success. What does your trading look like intraday? Yeah, so I, I feel like today is a pretty good example. Um, my patience off opening, kind of like my eagerness to get into a trade super early, say within the first five minutes, first 10 minutes, first 15 minutes is like completely dictated off of what what the daily chart looks like. And so today, like um, the, the indices... And, and most like most names had pretty ugly gap down candles on increased volume. And so today wasn't a day where I was trying to really slap something within the first five minutes. And I feel like that that worked out. I mean, if you look at SPY, 
the first, you know, that first five minute candle was, was healthy. And then two five minute pullback candles. And so then we're 15 minutes into the open and, um, just that patience right there already saved me, you know, hundreds or maybe even thousands of dollars, just, just waiting for just being, being patient, I guess, because if there's no reason not to be patient, if, if, uh, like spying QQQ's daily charts don't look good, like there's no reason to really even be taking a, a trade unless you're really eager to short, I guess that's completely different. But, um, I've just been trying to stick to the upside, I guess for now, but, um, just that, just, just waiting that 15 minutes this morning because I didn't love the daily time frame look like, like saved me a lot of money, got me a, a great entry. Um, I think 20 minutes into the day I took, I took spy calls and it wasn't perfect. I think it was like back up around like four thirteen, and this is, uh, this is Tuesday. Um, that's really where, where I took that entry and it's all dictated by kind of that too. And it was, it was a 15 minute candle change. So that's where maybe I thought we could see some, uh, some trend to the upside off of that 15 minute candle. I know. And, and if you look at the volume, even on those five minute candles, you can see that it was a super low volume pullback off of open. And then, uh, those, those buyers step back in, but, um, it's definitely key level oriented. I would say, um, I, th- I feel like as traders become more experienced, they kind of move away from that, like sitting up in the chair, white knuckling the keyboard. I'm going to enter this play over this level and like everything's to the penny and it's like just super rigid and super tense. And I feel like that's where everyone really starts. And then once you, uh, kind of get, get that screen time and experience, you become a little more relaxed. And that's why I kind of have the nine and 20 EMAs on when, um, when price is above those, I'm definitely going to be bullish. I feel like everyone's kind of forgot that like stocks are meant to go up, but, uh, like I feel crazy for maybe like having that bias, but, uh, that that's just been, just been huge for me is, uh, being, being patient off open if the daily setup isn't in my favor. And if it's bullish, like if the charts, if there's A plus setups all over the board and price starts to, to rip off of open in the first maybe five minutes, I'm in. Like I'm, I'm taking that trade. If, if the daily charts look great, the open looks great, everything looks great. Why, why am I not taking that trade? And I know it's, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes people get scared away from trading the open, but, um, it may, you know, maybe it is a, a little bit gambling to a degree, I guess, but I, I don't really like to call it that when, when you kind of have all of that confluence from all of that. But I don't think it's any different. Obviously there's a lot more volatility, which is why people are a bit more cautious, especially new traders. They're told don't trade right at the open, but I'm the same way. If I've found a really nice looking daily setup and I've gone through, I've charted my support and resistance and we're breaking out or breaking down and the stock is doing exactly what I expect it to do and my EMAs are perfectly in place. There's been times where I'll enter trade in the first minute, in the first two minutes. It's like, it's one of those things. It's like, what am I waiting for? Right? Like, oh, for it to, you know, just like rip face. And then, oh, I needed for it to confirm over my level. Like, yeah. But at the same time, I think you gain that, uh, that sort of instinct, I'll call it. So when you, uh, have, you know, that, that screen time under your belt and you can recognize how things trade, at the open. Um, and there's names that you trade on a daily or weekly basis. It's like, okay, strength is strength and weakness is weakness. And I like my odds here better than I, I would, you know, if I wait 15 or 20 minutes. So, you know, it's, it takes a little bit of practice. I think it's more mental than, than anything. If you're looking to trade the open, maybe size down, um, until you get more comfortable, 
because I mean, the volatility can get, it's scary if you're, if you're in way too heavy, I think that's the biggest thing. Like if you're going super heavy on the first couple of minutes of the day, I don't, I don't know. It's probably, probably not, not the best idea. Yeah, no, I agree. All of like the, like the entries I share in the first like 15, uh, or say minutes or even like first half hour, you know, they always, always have that like light, light size disclaimer on there because I really am not playing with a lot of size, especially if it's not like Monday or Tuesday, if it's Wednesday, Thursday, even Friday, the first 15 minutes, like, like, how are you going to put a real, like a real chunk of your capital into that play? But at the same time, like understanding that, like really the only two things that are stopping you from entering are the fact that it's open and things are volatile. But if all of like all of the time frames that you've looked at look super bullish and, and the action's great and sentiment market wide is great, there's there's no reason not to take that trade. And I think I, I totally agree with you. Um, just using using really smaller size, even if it's like if if you're somebody who doesn't trade open and wants to like wants to really like get some experience and learn how to trade that first like fifteen to thirty minutes, um, just take one contract like. There's no, like, there's no reason not to do that and, uh, kind of just get that experience, especially the past, like, few days. I feel like we've had some, some, like, awesome rips in the first half hour and then, and then things have been pretty horrible. That's the thing, too. It's like everybody likes to talk about risk versus reward. Well, if you, you can size small and trade the open and there's great risk reward. Cause it's like, if you're right, if you take a look at the daily setup hourly setup and you know you're confident and you've developed a bias it's like okay this is where i think this thing is going to go if it starts breaking out or breaking down here and you enter it's like you're expecting the trade to double right like most of those times if you're right those trades are going 100 percent plus so it's like okay risk a small amount yeah you might be wrong because the open is volatile and you know especially as of late it's been tricky you know the indices right now especially this area that we're trading in. And I expect it to be pretty shitty for the rest of the week. You know, the moves at the open aren't as smooth and you can get caught up in that, but that's fine, right? Like just cut quick, you know, you take a small loss, but it's, it's really about, are you willing to take a small loss or a potential double in your trade? That's the way I look at it every time I'm trading the open. No, exactly. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of people get kind of like burnt because they don't like truly understand like the size you need to make decent money and are like doing like heavy positions or like super like you know full size positions early in the day or or later in the week even like even like intraday like on a thursday you know it's it's just i slowly size down as the week progresses and like on mondays I'm, i'm definitely playing a little bit heavier today playing you know medium size and then as we get to like kind of wednesday thursday and friday um i'm sizing down and that just is the only thing that like makes sense to me because the contracts are more volatile and um, like there's just a lot more, you know, reward potential. And so I just don't need to risk as much later in the week. But um, like, I totally agree. Like, even if you're throwing, I mean, if you throw a hundred bucks at a trade in the first 15 minutes and you're out seven minutes later with 120%, like that's sweet. Like that, that's, that's a great, and just to get comfortable really trading that volatility off open, like literally, um, like, you know, trade 30, 50, 80, hundred dollar positions just to really see how those contracts move a lot quicker off open and kind of, uh, being able to sit into those trades because it's easy to get shaken out off open. It's super easy to get shaken out. And so just, uh, 
making sure uh, you, you know your EMAs are being held, your key levels are being held. There's nothing wrong with a retest, especially if it's on low volume. Sometimes you know pr- stocks can't go straight up; they have to kind of consolidate, retest, and understanding that that's like not a place to cut, and maybe you know definitely a place to hold, and maybe even a place to add a few more contracts, and, and understanding that those pullbacks are necessary for price to kind of move up in the way it needs to. So, uh, just like I, like I would say, start small if you if you're not comfortable trading early in the day. That's where a lot of my biggest trades happen. And and biggest by percent, like they're like not not even all of them are the biggest dollar like game trades I've had. Just just super super good uh, risk to reward, I think, off of open. It's like it's like every day could be Lotto Friday if it's you know the first thirty minutes, first ten minutes. So I love how we all call it the open. I feel like that adds to like the intensity of like what it is, right? It, <laughs> it sounds like a big like golf tournament or like a big like. You know what I mean? <laughs> the open. It sounds just oh like very like intense. Like the close is like it's a close. The U.S. Open. Yeah, like the close is just. Dude, I'm, the do, I'm doing. I'm. I'm doing push-ups at, at eight twenty-nine a.m. I'm in Central Time, but like I'm. It's it's like we're, I'm about to play like a football game every every, yeah, every no, morning. I, like you gotta, I love like, that feeling. On. I love I love that feeling. It's, awesome. it's absolutely the best feeling. Yeah, I love that feeling until nine forty rolls around and I'm already down like two hundred bucks. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when 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 you lose the first trade, you're like, ah, oh, shit. It's always like that, like hour, hour and a half, or like two hours into the day, where like you kind of like blink for the first time, or like take a drink of water for the first time. It's like you're just you're so into it for like the first hour or two. And then it's like when lunchtime comes around, it's like, oh man, like I am I'm ready to call it a day. Yeah. I mean the days have been super long lately too with all like the chop we've had. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Um before we get you out of here, I want to ask you about FinTwit. I know that you're somebody who's extremely, extremely active on FinTwit. Um and you provide a lot of really quality uh information, right? And I think that that's one of the best things um, about Fintwit is that you can go on there and find people who are going to teach you right their their style, and even if it's not necessarily for you, you can take a little bit from here, a little bit from there, and sort of mold that into um, what eventually becomes your strategy. What would you say to um, I guess some of the newer people on Fintwit trying to learn? Um, how would you help them sort of navigate this space as a whole? Um, I think the thing that helped me the most, kind of entering the space, was and and really the trading space in general is. Um, Really, everyone's going to be posting because because every everybody on Fintwit posts their own charts, has their own style. So you're staring at twenty different styles here, and they all probably work. They're all probably good, and just finding that one that uh, is really going to be the best for you can be hard. And so I think for me, I always just kept it the most simple. I mean, people are probably doing you know Elliott waves and and whatnot, but I feel like that's a uh, just for me, sticking to like the the true fundamentals of price action, and and really um, just stick, sticking to that, and, and understanding that uh, all these indicators, like I'm sure they're all great, but um, just really understanding how price moves and how how a market moves is going to be the most important to you. And there's a lot of noise too. There's so much noise recently. I mean, really for the past two years, there's been a ton of noise. And um, really just finding your strategy and understanding what works best for you. And then once you do find that, shutting everything else out and, and becoming great at that strategy is really the the way to become maybe not even profitable, maybe just, you know, getting on the right path and, and starting to rack up some wins. I think tuning out the noise and um, especially after you've put in the time, trusting yourself 
trusting yourself to uh, to make that trade and, and risk that capital and and trusting the work you've put in is going to be going to be huge. So yeah, basically just uh, I think the two things are the, tuning out the noise and trusting yourself are the are the two two biggest things. Yeah, going back to what we talked about earlier in the episode, a lot of you guys are likely a lot better traders than you think you are. A lot of it is mental. We talked about how, you know, you do all the studying, you can learn all the techniques, all the strategies. There comes a point where you have enough information to go out there and make winning trades. It's just, do you have that confidence? Do you trust in your ability to trade? And until you can build that confidence, there's no problem at all in sizing small, understanding what are the things that help me make money? What are the things that I'm doing that are causing me to lose money? And once you start to eliminate those mistakes, then you can size up and you can play around a little bit more. And then we can talk about, okay, I want to try to make money trading. But I think it's just important to realize that, yes, this is extremely difficult. Trading is something that's extremely difficult to do. But having that confidence in yourself and understanding that I've got all of the tools necessary in my toolbox. Now it's just time to execute. So you just got to put in the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like we're kind of like at a, like, I guess the FinTwit we know, like early 2021, like summer 2020, late 2020, kind of people that have been around since then are like still, still struggling a bit, not really as profitable as they'd like to be, but they know they've been you know, watching, watching the market every day since like late 2020 and they're, they're super frustrated and they've put in the, like, it, and this is, if you put in the time, like I, like I said, like I, you really do need to like study concepts and understand what's, what's happening, like at a surface level. And then, um, you know, once you've gotten to that point where you've got two years experience, um, you, you've studied all of these concepts and kind of put together a strategy for yourself, but you still aren't, like as profitable as you'd like. I, I think it really, I think there's one ingredient left to that. And that's just like that, like self-actualization that, um, you know, maybe, maybe you are equipped to, to like be extremely profitable and, and be, be a successful trader. So it's just, uh, I think confidence, confidence in the market is, is huge. So I want to thank you for jumping on. This was an awesome conversation. Really glad to have finally gotten the chance to speak with you. I know that our listeners are going to be really, really excited to hear that we got you on the podcast. And I think they're really going to enjoy this episode. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me on. I guess I'll, uh, now that we've broke the ice, I, I, I could have probably a second appearance. This is my first podcast interview ever. So it might be like, just like an hour. It might Ooh. be an hour of me just like rambling, but uh, I hope- I, <laughs> No, this is good, man. This is good. I hope you guys kind of kind of enjoyed what, what I had to say, but that, that was, uh, no, I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. Awesome, man. No, another solid episode. I'll see you next week for episode 46. Yep. Thanks again to D-Book for hopping on and have a great weekend. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find in our podcast and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise.